Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 11.13 Central Standard Time. It's the 26th of January, 2022, and this is episode 533 of Bitcoin. And Alina Utrata from Twitter, uh, that's A-L-I-N-A if you want to go look for her, Utrata, U-T-R-A-T-A, all one word, has a f- starts us out today with a fairly scary... <sighs> not it's it's not going to be surprising to you it's just that when it's presented the way that Alina's talking about it it's like god it just it just rocks home dude she says i downloaded all the data amazon has on me and honestly the creepiest thing about it is that they sent me the actual audio files of every single time i spoke to amazon alexa <laughs> years ago when I was young and foolish about surveillance. And she's got a screenshot of basically her file folder. Uh, that's Here's the root. The root is Amazon data download. <clears throat> and then from Alexa, it goes into audio and transcription. And then down below that is a file called audio. And there are, oh my God, just many, many, many wave files. .wav, if you're not sure what a wave file is, it is the raw, un, uh, unprocessed, uh, uncompressed uh, audio files that you do when you record stuff. When you make an MP3, um, it's a compression, uh, but a wave file is actually the raw data coming into a microphone, and they're saving it all. Now think about that. Think about that. Wave files are, they become very, very massive very, very quickly because they're not compressed. A wave file is, I mean, as I speak to you right now, I'm recording in a wave file. When the, by the time you hear it though, it will have been converted from a wave, from several different wave files into a compressed MP3. And that's what I'm going to upload to SoundCloud. And that's what you will be listening to as you listen to me right now. <clears throat> it is, you know, many, many, many times less data intensive as a single wave file. I'm looking at several, like tens of wave files in just this one screenshot. They're saving them all. If you're, if you're talking, if you've got an Alexa in your house, get it out. And here, here's the thing is that, is that going to solve the problem? No, because do you have a mobile phone on you? Yeah. Do, can I prove that they're just con- consistently listening to me? No, not really. There's anecdotal evidence to suggest that that is occurring though. But here it's just raw proof. They are keeping your wave files from Alexa. So guys, I'm saying get rid of the Alexa at least. Now, she's got one more uh, tweet here that says, 
all the spreadsheets on how I read, like the page turns, highlights, reading sessions, my whole food purchases, my contacts lists, my video watching, my Amazon purchases, every time I've entered a physical store, etc., 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 and she has yet another screenshot of all these files of just uh actually these are tra- like all this transaction stuff, uh transaction places, the date that it was ordered, the order number, uh <laughs> product name purchase, the price, everything that she's done, everywhere that she's been. Like here, she went to uh, 3600 Lake Tahoe Boulevard South, Lake Tahoe, California at 96150 uh, plus four is 8942 in case you want to know exactly where the fuck that is because we can tell exactly where the hell she's been. She's also been to Palo uh, somewhere on Emerson Street, Palo Alto, California, 94301. I mean, she's not being really good with her hopsec right here, but she is demonstrating to us that there the amount of data that's being kept is ridiculous. And the reason that they're able to keep full wave files, and I'm going to get to that this in a second as to why that's really, really important, is that data storage is cheap. And when you're a multinational conglomerate like Amazon, you've got more money than God and you can buy as many hard drives as you possibly can and you will never run out of money to electrify those sons of bitches with contracts from PGE out of California, okay? It's just, they can keep everything because it's cheap for them to keep it and the amount of revenue that it generates for them way, way, way outweighs. the amount of money that it costs for them to keep. Now getting back to the raw wave files, why is it more important than an MP3? Because you can discern a lot more shit from a wave file than you can an MP3. An MP3 being a compressed file means that the audio quality is in fact less than what you would get out of a full wave file. So you might not be able to get certain things out of it. Whereas a wave file, you can pull apart all manner of shit. You can pull apart what's going on in the background. You have high fidelity wave files. That high fidelity means that it contains a shit ton more information about your voice, your inflections, your intonations, what's going on in the background behind you. And a lot of that gets dumped when you compress a wave file into an MP3. So it says a lot that they're not compressing the data to save on data storage, that they're just going ahead and saying, fuck it, we're just going to keep the entire wave file set. If you're not kind of already just, you know, if the hackles on the back of your neck aren't standing up, I can't help you. And if you bought Grimace coin, I can't help you there either. Fake Grimace coin jumps 285,000%. After McDonald's Tesla joke, this is out of Coindesk, Sharuya Malwa has it. A token created after McDonald's joke tweet surged as much as 285,000% in a few hours as opportunistic actors jumped at the chance to make cash in a tepid crypto market. Quote, only if Tesla accepts Grimace coin, McDonald's said on Wednesday morning, referencing its purple mascot fashioned after a taste bud. Oh, you know, I never knew that. I never knew it was fashioned after a taste bud. 
That's really kind of interesting. Uh, that tweet was in response to Tesla CEO Elon Musk tweet on Tuesday, quote, I will eat a happy meal on TV if McDonald's accepts, you guessed it, Dogecoin. While McDonald's hasn't pivoted to a crypto token company yet, Wednesday's tweet spurred the creation of nearly 10 Grimace coins on the Binance Smart Chain network alone. Anyone can call a small current contract and issue tokens on the BSC for a few cents. And the presence of decentralized exchanges means tokens can instantly be issued, supplied with liquidity, and traded soon thereafter. The premise doesn't matter. If there's money to be made peddling trendy topics, expect a market for it somewhere in niche shitcoin circles. <laughs> One such Grimace coin token started trading at $0.0007 and reached two bucks at its peak in Asia morning hours before tumbling down to the 60 cents level. <clears throat> that token reached a market capitalization of nearly $2 million at peak prices. It was worth $800,000 at press time and has over $65,000 in a liquidity pool created and supplied by users. Blockchain data, however, shows 93% of these tokens are owned by a single entity. Another Grimace coin with a supply of 1 trillion tokens reached a $1 million market cap during morning hours in Asia as prices jumped to $0.0000019 from a tiny fraction of a penny just a few hours earlier. This Grimace coin locked up $104,000 in liquidity at the time of writing, with 75% of that held by, you guessed it, one address. Grimace coins aren't limited to the BSC network, and Ethereum-based Grimace coins surged 56,000% in the hours after its issuance. It reached 1,000 hodlers and a $6 million market capitalization with developers positioning it as the first one on the Ethereum network, <laughs> because that's all Ethereum is good for. Not all Grimace coins saw similar successes, however. One exhibit on the S or the BSC, presumably late to the fray, failed to attract both capital and speculators, holding just over $830 in liquidity with five hodlers and a market capitalization of $1,400. The mar <coughs> crypto market is equal parts legitimacy and memes. Serious investors and developers build financial services on smart contracts to allow global users to trade lend assets and take out loans in a permissionless setting in line with the ethos of relying on technology instead of third parties to access financial services. There are then the meme artists. Dog coins, cat coins, food coins, and meme coins command billions of dollars in market capitalization data shows, each iteration savvier than the rest. Grimace coin isn't the only issuance of a token hopefuls creating a shitcoin market. In December, United States Representative Brad Sherman joked about a mongoose coin in a hearing about cryptocurrencies spurring the issuance of hundreds of mongoose coins in hours afterward. The most successful mongoose coin was that cohort uh, for, from that cohort saw trading volumes of over $15 million in the week after its issuance, reaching a market capitalization of tens of millions of dollars in the process. Prices have since fallen 95%. So there you go. Grimace coin. It was actually a deal. So, I mean, no matter every single time Elon Musk's mouth opens and shit falls out, people lose their money.
I, I mean, he's been doing this since way, way, way before, you know, shit coins arrived on the scene in the way that they have. He's been bilking the United States taxpayer out of billions of dollars every year so that he could become what? The richest man on the planet. How? By bilking you out of billions of dollars of taxes. How? Because the government supplies him with subsidies, the likes of which not even the entire farm belt ever saw in the 70s and the 80s. So let's let's move on. <clears throat> Drop Bitcoin as legal tender. IMF urges El Salvador. <laughs> I doubt it. Uh, CNBC's Mackenzie Sigalas has it. The International Monetary Fund is pushing El Salvador to ditch Bitcoin as legal tender, according to a statement released on Tuesday. IMF directors, quote, stressed that there are large risks associated with the use of Bitcoin on financial stability, financial integrity, and consumer protection, as well as the associated fiscal contingent liabilities. I'm going to pause right there. If your financial legacy system is so fragile, that a nascent currency being birthed out of the private sector that is worth a mere $1 trillion, and it's not right now because we've fallen quite a bit, where I think we're around $700, $700 billion. But at its, you know, generally speaking, we kind of go up to $1 trillion, $1.2 trillion and kind of float around and then come back down. So you're talking about $1 trillion compared to a global asset manifold of like 200 to 350 to 400 trillion dollars, depending on who the fuck you're talking to. So if your financial or legacy financial system is that fragile, that a quarter of 1% could bring it to its knees, then you have backed the wrong horse. Continuing on, the report, which was published after bilateral talks with El Salvador, went on to urge authorities to narrow the scope of its Bitcoin law by removing Bitcoin status as legal tender. In September 2021, the Central American nation became the world's first country to adopt the cryptocurrency as legal tender alongside the U.S. dollar. Salvadoran President Nayib Bukele who has tethered his political fate to the success of the country's Bitcoin experiment, has added hundreds of Bitcoins to the country's balance sheet in recent months. On Friday, the president tweeted that he bought an additional 15 million of really cheap Bitcoin as the crypto market plummeted. Bitcoin is down uh, around 50% from its November record high. The IMF report went on to say that some directors had expressed concern over the risks associated with issuing Bitcoin-backed bonds, referring to the president's plan to raise $1 billion via a Bitcoin bond in partnership with Blockstream, a digital assets infrastructure company. Part of El Salvador's nationwide move into Bitcoin also involved launching a national virtual wallet called Chivo that offers no-fee transactions and allows for quick cross-border payments. For a country where 70% of its citizens do not have access to traditional financial services, Chivo is meant to offer a convenient on-ramp for those who have never been part of the banking system. IMF directors agreed that the Chivo e-wallet could facilitate digital means of payment, thereby helping to boost financial inclusion though they emphasize the need for strict regulation and oversight. Fuck you, IMF. Many El Salvadorans have reported cases of identity theft in which hackers use the national ID number to open a Chivo e-wallet in order to claim the free $30 worth of Bitcoin offered by the government as an incentive to open a digital wallet. Yeah, well, it's why you should have done it immediately, people. 
For months, the IMF has bemoaned Bukele's Bitcoin experiment. Tuesday's statement echoes a report shared by the IMF in November in which the financial regulator wrote that Bitcoin's high price volatility translated to significant risks to consumer protection and noted that Bitcoin should not be used as legal tender. El Salvador has also been trying since early 2021 to secure a $1.3 billion loan from the IMF, an effort that appears to have soured over this Bitcoin row. The country will need to figure out some other backstop to shore up its finances. The IMF predicts that under current policies, public debt will rise to 96% of GDP by 2026, putting the country on an unsustainable path. So the IMF is running scared. They are absolutely terrified that this could possibly work, which it seems, I don't know, a little odd that this statement comes out so close to the 50% drop in the Bitcoin price. It, the question becomes, is it them latching on to an organic thing that happened with the price? Or is it possible that through the use of all these bullshit futures derivatives ETF instruments that we have now, that they were able to somehow artificially suppress the price to then come out with this statement, which is basically saying, see, we told you, I don't know. Honestly, I think it's just Bitcoin doing what Bitcoin does. And I will reiterate what I said yesterday. You are not that important. When you bought Bitcoin and it immediately fell on its ass, you are not that important. It was not your luck that caused all of us to go, ah, oh, God damn it. Bob, stop buying Bitcoin. You know, Bob, it's, you are not that important. I'm not that important. Nobody listening is that important. It has nothing to do with your luck. Bitcoin is just going to do what Bitcoin does. And it basically does it all the time. Now onto some serious freaking chicanery here. And we're not sure I've, I've gotten like conflicting reports on this, but I picked this up last night. So we're going to go ahead and go with it. And if I remember if my coffee-fueled brain is like, you know, has a couple of neurons firing and I can remember to talk about it afterwards, I will. GoFundMe withholding $4.7 million from trucker convoy until plan is presented. This is out of Yahoo Finance uh, and I guess uh, in conjunction with the Canadian press. <clears throat> GoFundMe has frozen access to more than $4.7 million in funds raised by the trucker convoy now wending its way across the country toward Ottawa in a protest against vaccine mandates. Quote, we require that fundraisers be transparent about the flow of funds and have a clear plan for how those funds will be spent. In this case, we are in touch with the organizer to verify that information. Rachel Hollis, a spokesperson for the crowdfunding platform, said in an email, quote, Funds will be safely held until the organizer is able to provide the documentation to our team about how funds will be properly distributed. Pausing right here. You know what I'm about to say. Say it with me. Three, two, one. Bitcoin fixes this. I have never had my Bitcoin full node ask me for a spending plan on any transaction that I've ever made. My blue wallet has never come back with a, yeah, uh, you know, I'm going to really need a spending plan before you actually commit this transaction. I've never had Wallet of Satoshi say, yeah, I, I'm not sure. 
about what you're planning on doing with this funds, could you write up a, a four page document about exactly what you're going to do with what and when and where and how and with whom? No, that has never occurred. Bitcoin fixes this. Now, as of Tuesday afternoon, funds were raised from 61,100 donors, according to the GoFundMe page of the Freedom Convoy. Tamara Lick, who is secretary of the fledgling Western Separatist Maverick Party, launched the campaign on January the 14th. It states that the money will go toward fuel as well as food and lodgings for big riggers taking part. Quote, our current government is implementing rules and mandates that are destroying the foundation of our businesses, industries, and livelihoods, the convoy's GoFundMe page states. Quote, we are a peaceful country that has helped protect nations across the globe from tyrannical governments who oppress their people, and now it seems to be happening here. As of the 15th of January, the federal government required Canadian truckers to be fully vaccinated if they want to avoid a 14-day quarantine when they cross the border from the United States. Labor Minister Seamus O'Regan has also announced that vaccination will become mandatory for workers in all federally regulated industries, though no timeline has been laid out. The Canadian Trucking Alliance, which has denounced the convoy protest, says more than 85% of the 120,000 Canadian truck drivers who regularly traverse the border are vaccinated, but that up to 16,000 may be sidelined due to the new restriction exacerbating supply chain problems. The big riggers are bound for a protest uh, for Saturday in Ottawa, where drivers from across the country are planning to converge. In a joint release on Tuesday, the federal government and Alliance President Stephen Lakowski acknowledged unprecedented changes to a sector that ships the vast majority of food and consumer products, but stressed vaccination as the route to economic health. So the, the, the piece goes on and I think we're, we're done with it because what's of, of note here is that GoFundMe can just tell you that you can't have your money. Now, um, caveat, great big caveat, I would imagine, given the spokesperson statement, that this is actually part of the end user license agreement that you agree to when you set up a GoFundMe page, which means that you have an account. And if you've created an account, then at one point or another, you had to click yes on some EULA. And somewhere in that EULA is probably a statement about clarity of funds. However, I don't, I don't care. I, I just don't care. I think they made a mistake by using GoFundMe. How do I know this? Well, A, that that's clear. They're keeping the funds until they come up with a spending plan. But B, what did they think was going to happen? I mean, you're going up against the legacy system and you're going to use the legacy systems systems to do it. What, what did you think the outcome was going to be? Now, I've gotten, like I said at the beginning, I've gotten some conflicting reports. Some people came back to me on Twitter and said, no, this whole thing has been cleared up and the funds are released. And another person said, no, they're not. They've been held in, in escrow all day or whatever you want to call it in some kind of like, I don't know, a SAFU safe box or something like that. I've had other people that have said various other things about this. So it's it's unclear to me exactly which way this is going.
But all, I mean, it doesn't really matter. All of that. I don't give a shit. The, the fact that the trucker set up a GoFundMe and made a mistake by doing so, by using the GoFundMe platform, I don't care. The fact that GoFundMe did exactly what we expected them to do and freeze the funds so they can't be released until X, Y, and Z happens, I don't give a shit about that. Because all they really had to do was use Bitcoin. That, that's it. That's all they had to do was use Bitcoin. Yes, I know. There's people out there that are screaming, yeah, well, that's not going to work when you try to spend it at a gas station. Right now, yeah, no, it won't. And then you'll go on to say, and it's not also going to work. They can't buy fuel if they don't have dollars. And where are they going to get the dollars? They're going to try to go to an exchange, and there's going to be problems there too. Yes, there will be. I get that. But somewhere along the way, we're going to figure out through several instances such as this, We've already figured it out as Bitcoiners. We get it. We know. We have our shit, our, our shit sewn up. But I guarantee you, Miss Lick does not understand how to use Bitcoin. She probably knows it exists, but she probably doesn't know that A, this would have been avoided, and B, how to actually get those funds liquefied into Canadian dollars through a decentralized exchange. I don't know. There's a lot of nuts and bolts that go into being a Bitcoiner. And we take a lot of that shit for granted. So when we go and I say Bitcoin fixes this, yeah, it does. But the person on the other side of that statement is going, how? It's up to us to teach them how. If we're not generating content on how, then we're, we're screwing up. Except that we are. We are, there are so many people out there that are generating that content. They're generating it very, very well at very, very high production values. So now the issue is how do we get it out? We are the marketing department for Bitcoin. We are Bitcoiners. We, we not only hold the currency, we not only help mint the currency, we not only help secure the currency, we have to, we, we also create content about the currency and education about the currency. And we also have to market that content. We've got to get it out to the people like this who would have been able to have a choice because the only way that they were sucked into GoFundMe is that they understood it. They, any idiot can understand GoFundMe. It is not fucking hard. But not every idiot can understand Bitcoin right now in the, in the way that it exists, the way that it works. And I'm not talking about consensus. I'm talking about how it exists in the legacy financial market with the on-ramps and the off-ramps and the decentralized exchanges and centralized exchanges. And how do you liquefy it? And how do you move it? And all that. It, 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 water is going to flow down the path of least resistance and GoFundMe and shit like it is the path of least resistance until a certain point. And that's when you hit the dam at the reservoir. And that's what's happened to the truckers. So, you know, I don't know. It, it, I still think Bitcoin fixes this, but I do think it's up to us to make sure that people understand just how Bitcoin fixes this. Hacker helps recover $2 million worth of crypto from a Trezor hardware wallet. You might want to perk your ears up on this one. Andrew Asmakov wants you to from decrypt.co new york-based entrepreneur and crypto enthusiast dan reich breathed a sigh of relief after a hardware hacker helped him recover two million dollars sitting on a treasure one hardware wallet as reported by the verge in early 2018 reich and his friend spent fifty thousand dollars in bitcoin to purchase a batch of theta network tokens worth about 21 cents at the time initially 
<clears throat> the funds were held on a China-based crypto exchange and later moved to a Trezor One hardware wallet. By the end of 2018, when the price of the token crashed nearly fourfold, the two friends decided to cash out their investment. They realized, however, that they had forgotten the security pin to the wallet which contained the tokens. After 12 failed attempts to guess the pin, they gave up as the wallet would wipe itself clean after 16 unsuccessful tries. However, after the price of Theta skyrocketed last year to hit an all-time high of above $15 and their initial investment briefly rose above $3 million, Reich and his friend decided to renew their attempts to get access to the wallet. Going through different avenues, the two friends reached out to Joe Grant, a Portland-based hardware hacker, who eventually managed to recover the pin. As Grand explained on his YouTube video, normally Trezor One wallets temporarily move the pin and key to the RAM during a firmware update. Once the update is complete, the information is moved back to Flash. This wasn't the case with Reich's wallet. Despite Trezor removing the pin and key that got copied to RAM during the boot up, the pin and key appeared in the device's RAM at later stages. This meant that should Grand inadvertently wipe the RAM before he could read the data, he would be unable to recover the pin. To solve the problem, Grand used what is called a fault injection attack, a physical attack on the device that changes the amount of voltage going into the chip, and this allowed him to bypass the wallet's microcontroller security that was put in place to prevent hackers from reading the RAM. Once bypassed, Grant executed an automated script to obtain the lost pin. Quote, I was sitting here watching the computer screen and saw that I was able to defeat the security, the private information, the recovery seed, and the pin that I was going after popped up on the screen, said Grant. It's worth noting that Satoshi Labs, the Prague-based manufacturer of Trezor wallets, fixed the security issue found in Reich's device some time ago, and all new devices are shipped with a fixed bootloader. Quote, we just want to add that this is an outdated exploit that is not a concern for current users and that we fixed it in 2017 right after a report that we received through our Responsible Disclosure Program, Trezor tweeted on Wednesday. The key issue with the chip that makes a fault injection attack possible still persists though and can be fixed either by the chip maker or by switching to a more secure chip. However, as stressed by Trezor, this kind of attack requires full physical access to the device and there is no record of any funds being compromised. Well, in fact, there is a record of funds being compromised. It was compromised by Joe Grant when he was able to bypass all the security measures and pull the pin off the RAM by fudding the voltage inputs into the chipsets. I mean, dude. Okay, so here it is. This is a problem that I've always wondered about when it comes to <clears throat> hardware wallets. At what point do we get a hardware wallet that is completely unhackable? That even if the people got a, got the device, that they just aren't ever gonna be able to hack it. And honestly, I'm not sure if that day is ever gonna come because as we get more and better hardware wallets and those wallets themselves upgrade firmware and all kinds of stuff, or all of a sudden there's like, let's say there's a new signature scheme going on in Bitcoin that has to be upgraded. Every single time you might inject the possibility of an attack, right? So the man in the coma isn't exactly safe from having his Bitcoin ripped off from him. So there's two things about this. Always secure your hardware wallet. 
Two, always secure your seed phrase to the best of your ability. And honestly, you could drive you can drive yourself crazy. Should I spend the Bitcoin to get a flight to Zurich and go find a safety deposit box over there? I don't know. Do you really want to do all that shit? I mean, there's got to be at one point or another, it's a personal decision, but there's got to be some place that you just say, I'm going to stop here because going any further just doesn't make any sense. But you have to be the one to figure out what that security looks like. I don't know. Use multi-sig. Uh, call the guys down in Austin to Unchained Capital. They've got they've got a rig set up for you. Is is that where you can stop? Is that where you can feel whole and good and and not freaking out at night? Because honestly, this kind of shit would freak me out. Somebody is able to get a hold of like my ledger or something like that and be able to crack and get into my pen. Well, then I'm hosed. So what good is the security of a hardware wallet? One of the things, if you want to know what hardware wallet I really do like, I used to use Ledger a lot and I never had any problems with it except when it came time to upgrade the firmware and there was always a problem with it. So I switched over to cold card and I'm very much happy with a cold card. I have not tried a Trezor. I've tried a couple of other devices, but you know, honestly, the one that is my favorite right now is cold card so uh go hit up rodolfo novak and uh at cold card wallet on twitter and see if you can get a hold of one because they're they're pretty slick now let's run the numbers all right so everything in the markets looks like it's on fire today I do not have news at this moment of what the Fed meeting that is occurring right now has decided as to whether or not to raise interest rates immediately or what they're going to do. However, judging from what I'm seeing on the screen of of futures and commodities out of CNBC, uh, everybody is thinking that they're not going to raise rates. Why? Because everything is in the green. Almost every single thing is in the green except for gold. Now, One thing that I do know, or at least according to Zero Hedge, it was already decided earlier this morning that Canada is not going to hike their interest rates. And I think that is sort of a pre-market or was a pre-market signal. And everybody was like going, okay, well, if Canada doesn't do it, then the United States is most likely not going to do it either. We don't know. We don't know until the minutes are released. And I don't know when the minutes are going to be released. But I can tell you what's going on right now. Flammable liquids are on fire. West Texas Intermediate up two and a half full percent points. $87.76. Brent North Sea has now gone over $90 a barrel to $90.32 after a 2.4% rise. Natural gas kicking ass on all cylinders, 4.2% to the upside to $4.22 per thousand cubic feet. Gasoline up almost three points, 2.86 to $2.53 a gallon. As said earlier, gold is down by over a full point to $1,830.70. Silver down likewise, not as much though, a third point to the downside. Platinum, however, two and a quarter percent points upside. Copper up one and a half points and get this shit. Palladium is up 7.5%. Let me say that again. Palladium is up 7.5%. 
Jesus. <laughs> Agricultural futures wheat down almost to three full points while soybeans soar over two points. Anybody else of note? Yeah, cotton is up over a full point. And now indices, Dow futures up over a point. S&P futures up 1.67%. NASDAQ is up 2.64. They're no longer futures. It's 11, It's 12.50 on the Eastern Seaboard. So these are live, live numbers right now. Uh, NASDAQ is up 2.65%. S&P mini up 1.33%. Real money is at $38,217.27 with 250,000 transactions performed in the last 24 hours. And that's about 10,300 transactions every hour on the hour with just under 1 million BTC being sent in that period, which is right around 40,500 BTC every hour on the hour with an average transaction value of 4 BTC a median transaction value of 0.016 BTC or 610 bucks. Block times are high, 10 minutes and 30 seconds. We have 0.07 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and 10 and a quarter BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. A 1.9% drop in hash rate brings us down to the pitiful, pitiful rate of 193.8 exahashes per second, which is more security than anybody could actually ask for. Dogecoin, however, has recovered to 15 pennies. So the shitcoin markets are recovering. This is why I Bitcoin. So I just don't have to go through all having to look at all that bullshit. So now 4,000 transactions waiting on four blocks to clear. Market capitalization of Bitcoin is $720.8 billion, which is just under 6% of gold's market cap. And if you want, you can get 20.7 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 18,940,522 and three quarters. And 3,365 of those are locked in the Lightning Network, valued at $128.1 million. Uh, utilizing 19,437 nodes that we know about, sporting 84,742 channels that we can see, and 66, I did it again, dyslexia is just killing me, man. 76.5% of all that is being run over Tor, and that is being uh, utilized by 11,401 Tor Lightning nodes that we know about. That's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. Bitcoin payroll provider Bitwage launches a new platform. Nomsios has it from Bitcoin Magazine. Bitwage, a provider of Bitcoin payroll services since 2014, has launched its newest platform featuring new additions to further facilitate the lives of companies and individuals seeking to pay and get paid in BTC. Quote, Bitwage's team of engineers worked for over a year to launch an entirely new platform for all users with a host of new features. They expect that these features will make the Bitwage experience more convenient for those who believe in leveraging their salaries into Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. Oh, God. Stop with the shit coinery. They told, uh, Bitwage said in a statement sent to Bitcoin Magazine, Bitwage said its Bitcoin payroll services will look and feel different different for both companies and individuals with the launch of the new platform. 
Changes for companies include the ability to invite their employees more easily, check their onboarding status, and send out reminders to employees and contractors to complete setup, use invoicing features, have access to reports and analytics, and combine multiple invoices from contractors into one single transaction. That's actually kind of slick, dude. Individuals, on the other hand, will get a redesigned dashboard and an easier setup of cryptocurrency payroll distributions. The ability to generate and email legal invoices to clients and better and more transparent receipt details. Uh, quote, these changes mark the beginning of a new era for Bitwage, the company said in the statement. In December, Bitwage became the first company to process a Bitcoin payroll on Lightning after processing a salary payment entirely on Bitcoin's Layer 2 scaling solution for fast and cheap Bitcoin payments. Bitwage said it has processed over 200, no, $125 million in transactions since 2014 and currently has 50,000 registered users and 2,000 registered companies. In 2021, the company's business doubled in the United States and Latin American markets, amounting to a growth of 1,900%. Again, that is 1,900% since the beginning of the pandemic in 2020. So COVID helping us right along. Bitcoin decouples from the NASDAQ ahead of Fed meeting. Namcios again from Bitcoin Magazine. The Bitcoin price enters green territory on Tuesday and decouples from the NASDAQ index as tech stocks extend losses ahead of the Federal Reserve's Open Market Committee meeting, or the FOMAC, F-O-M-C. Bitcoin recovered quickly from a sharp drawdown on Monday as markets around the globe turned red in a unisonous, unisonous? Unison, in unison, whatever, I can't pronounce the word. In unison, risk off movement. As Bitcoin gains prestige among mainstream investors, mainly institutional players, the asset has increasingly been performing in close correlation with risky assets that largely thrived in a liquidity-rich environment of quantitative easing. As the Fed gets hawkish on its monetary policy, withdrawing its asset purchasing programs at a faster pace after each FOMC meeting, markets have flocked towards, quote, safer investments as worries of lower liquidity could prevent an extended rally from riskier investment bets. The next two-day FOMC meeting is scheduled for Tuesday and Wednesday, with the results being released after its completion as the committee decides the future of U.S. monetary policy. After the last meeting of the committee in December, Fed Chairman Jerome Powell mentioned that increased inflationary pressures, which he then said could no longer be called transitory, had prompted increased caution and faster reductions in asset purchases. Powell also hinted at possible interest rate hikes in 2022 to further curb inflation rates and stabilize a stronger economy seen in the United States. Despite joining the NASDAQ in Monday's losses, Bitcoin swiftly recovered to decouple from the index as tech stocks showed increased weakness ahead of the FOMAC meeting. Bitcoin was up about 2% on Tuesday while the NASDAQ traded in slightly negative territory. Markets have remained uncertain what the Fed's policy might be, whether the committee will choose to rescue bleeding financial markets, effectively turning its back on previously announced intentions, or if further tightening will occur, extending the risk-off macro environment movement. 
So yeah, we are not going to know what's going on with the Fed meeting that's uh, going to wrap up today until probably well after. And it's going to be interesting to see what they say. It uh, here's Here's what I think they're going to say. They're still thinking about raising interest rates. And they're still thinking about just how much they're going to curb their asset purchases. They're not going to act. I think that they're not going to actually do anything during this meeting. I think they're going to wait until after, after the April meeting or, well, I don't know if they meet in April. They're going to wait until their first meeting after everybody sends in their taxes. And then that's when they'll actually drop a number that says we're doing X, Y, and Z. That's my gut feeling. I could be horribly, horribly wrong if I am. Please make sure to lampoon my ass on Twitter because guess what? I need the marketing. Crypto exchange FTX closes US uh, $400 million funding round to reach an $8 billion valuation. How much money does FTX actually need at this point? I mean, all they keep doing is just buying like freaking sports ball arenas. I mean, is that, I, I don't know, man. This seems like a waste of money. I, whatever, who gives a shit? Ezra Regera has more from Cointelegraph. Chicago-based crypto exchange FTX US has launched an $8 billion valuation following new funding. According to Reuters on Wednesday, the American affiliate of FTX closed a $400 million funding round led by SoftBank Group Corp. Tam, Tamask, Tamesisek whatever, Temesisek Holdings, Paradigm, and Multicoin Capital. FTX U.S. President Brett Harrison said that this development puts their firm as one of the largest cryptocurrency uh, exchanges in the United States and sends a message to the world that they are growing very rapidly. Yeah, what do you expect when you've got a dam full of cheap fucking cash waiting to be deployed and there's just nowhere to fucking deploy it? that even looks remotely like something that all the legacy financial assholes are used to seeing. Of course, they're going to put it into FTX. They're too stupid to actually buy Bitcoin with it because they don't understand Bitcoin, but they certainly understand a company that makes their bread and butter through fees on idiots trading Dogecoin. I'll just say that. Harrison indicated that the firm will use the funds to further its offerings as well as to grow and expand its workforce. Back in 2021, the exchange made a sale and purchase agreement to acquire crypto derivatives platform Ledger X to expand its spot trading services by offering Bitcoin and shitcoin number one options and futures contracts to investors. FTX's global exchange raised 420, <laughs> 420 million from 69 investors. Oh, Jesus. I forgot about that. Yeah, 420 million from 69, 42069. Uh, you know, if you don't get it, I, I can't explain it. Anyway, it raised its value to $25 billion last year. And at the same time, the exchange pushed marketing efforts by acquiring naming rights to Cal Memorial Stadium and Miami NBA Stadium. Meanwhile, funding for crypto projects continued to grow in other areas of the ecosystem on January the 19th. Secret Network announced a $400 million fund offer to developers building within its network. The new $225 million ecosystem fund, along with a $175 million accelerator pool, aims to back privacy-oriented and decentralized applications. Venture capital company Andreessen Horowitz, 
the horrible people that they are, announced its plans to raise $4.5 billion in, in, to invest in crypto funds. The firm would allot $3.5 billion for its venture capital fund and $1 billion to seed investments in its Web3 space. Alongside this, British payment platform Checkout.com recently raised $1 billion in investments to advance crypto payment processing, bringing the company's valuation to $40 billion. So this is just a shit ton of money going into fintech, isn't it? In every aspect of fintech, although leveraged on pretty much more on the shit coinery side and not on the legacy financial system, that just tells me that they understand that if they don't move into this ecosystem before their old ecosystem is hit by the meteorite, that they're not gonna make it. And honestly, they're, they're heading to the wrong ecosystem. In general, not all, not all of it, but in general, it looks to me like they don't really understand the landscape of which they're entering. And they think, this is what I think, I think they think that because they've been swaggering around with their billions of dollars and their Brooks Brothers suits and their fucking Lamborghinis that they're gonna be able to come in and tell everybody in all ecosystems of FinTech exactly how shit's going to be. And that's exactly what they're going to do to Ethereum and Solana and Tron and all that kind of shit, because none of them motherfuckers actually care about freedom. I mean, by God, Vitalik Buterin wants fake wombs. At this point, how are you looking at this person? I mean, no fake wombs. I'm like, I'm literally like a fucking axolotl tank out of Dune. If you don't know, if you haven't read the series, you should read it. It's actually really, really good. <clears throat> but the axolotl tanks are basically a fake womb and you can grow babies in it. And you can't imagine what hellscape that will enable. And if you're somebody who's like going, I don't understand what you mean. Clones, clones, think, just think of clones. If you have a fake womb that like like a, a woman carrying a baby is delivering a shit ton of her resources to carrying that baby. And I'm not talking about just nutrition, oxygen and stuff like that for 10 months. They always say nine, but it's more like 10 months. That woman, her job is to protect that baby. You're not going to be able to use a woman to, to do cloning, human cloning. But if it's just a tank, sitting in a warehouse with about 10,000 other tanks, you could clone a whole fucking army. You could clone an entire slave class. And if you don't think that they wouldn't do that, you are wrong. All you have to do is look at what the elite have done to us already. And if you don't think that they wouldn't take advantage of that to literally build a slave army to do what they're bidding, you're wrong. Women aren't going to do that. They're, they're, they're not going to invest 10 months of their life and all this nutrition and all the shit that goes along with raising a baby to raise a slave clone. They're just not going to do it unless they, they themselves are fucking slaves. Which brings up a whole other point. What if the axolotl tanks are literally just used to make clone breeding females who don't know any better? Um, just It just goes on and on. Anyway, so you're talking, we're talking about Vitalik Buterin wanting this thing, he doesn't even understand what the ramifications of that thing actually is. He's just a do-gooder. He wants to look like he's doing good. He's the master of your coin. 
He's going, he's been changing your monetary policy for the, for the, well, since 2014 or 2015, whenever the inception date of that horrific shit coin was, he's been just changing it and changing it and changing it. And now, now guess what we find out? There's no such thing as ETH as Ethereum 1.0 and Ethereum 2.0. That's right. If you hadn't heard, they're changing the name. It's not ETH 2.0. Or, or, or ETH 1.0 or anything like that. They completely changed it. If you don't believe me, just duck, duck, go Ethereum changes, changes platform names or something like that. Or just keep your ear out on Twitter. I guarantee you'll, you'll hear about it soon enough. Uh, moving on, Zuckerberg's DM reportedly weighing the sale after stablecoin plans falter. Yeah. He's thinking about sell like that, that whole Facebook coin looks like it may be going down the toilet. I mean, honestly, who could have guessed Kira Wright probably did. She's writing it for Cointelegraph meta backed crypto initiative. DM is reportedly trying to sell its assets, seemingly calling time on Facebook founder, Mark Zuckerberg's grand ambitions for a stable coin to act as the internet's currency. Diem, which was previously known as Libra, is Meta Platform's cryptocurrency initiative. According to insider sources speaking with Bloomberg, it is considering selling assets to return capital to its investors. The sources said that Diem is in discussions with investment bankers to determine the best way to sell its intellectual property and cash out on whatever value the project has left. They use the word maintained, but has left actually works better. It's unclear how the company will be valued, and there is no guarantee that they will be able to find a buyer. According to the source, about a third of the venture is owned by Meta. The remainder is owned by members of the association and partners, which include Coinbase, Uber, and Shopify. Uh, Diem has sparked no shortage of uh, controversies in its short time of existence since launching on June 18, 2019. Libra, as it was known at the time, intended to be maintained by a Switzerland-based consortium of companies called the Libra Association. However, news of the project's launch triggered immediate pushback from the U.S. government and regulators around the world who cited concerns regarding privacy and monetary sovereignty. Both Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg and former Libra head David Marcus testified before the House Financial Services Committee. As at one July hearing in 2019, Senator Sherrod, uh, Sherrod Brown of Ohio asked Marcus, quote, do you really think people should trust Facebook with their hard-earned money? Quote, if our country fails to act, we could soon see a digital currency controlled by others whose values are radically different from ours, Marcus responded. Honestly, that's a really good response on that one. Uh, not that I trust Marcus. I think he's a complete lunatic, but he that, that was a perfect answer. Deterred by regulatory scrutiny, many partners began to abandon the project altogether, eventually including Marcus himself. It was at this point it rebranded to Diem, hoping to shake off the mass regulatory panic that drowned out Libra's initial announcement. So yeah, all, all of uh, everybody out there who was like saying, see, Facebook is gonna take over uh, Bitcoin. Yeah, you were wrong again. This is why Bitcoin obituaries has something around 372 Bitcoin obituaries in its list. People keep calling it wrong. <laughs> and I just want a cartoon that just shows Bitcoin walking up to somebody saying, 
you know, news of my demise has been wildly exaggerated. Uh, Kazakhstan powers down Bitcoin miners as black, blackouts royal Central Asia. Jeff Benson for Decrypt.co. Don't expect Kazakhstan Bitcoin miners to be earning any BTC during the final weeks of January. The state-run Kazakhstan electricity grid operating company Kegok confirmed to Bloomberg that electricity has been cut off to Bitcoin and cryptocurrency mining companies from January 24th through the 31st. That didn't stop Central Asia from plunging into darkness on Tuesday as a disconnected power line left millions in Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, and Uzbekistan without power or water. Although the country's government said that power was being restored, Bitcoin miners in Kazakhstan won't have access to it for the immediate future. The Central Asian country last year became the second largest Bitcoin miner in the world after neighboring China shut down BTC mining activities. Thanks to its deposits of natural gas and coal, Kazakhstan has some of the lowest electricity prices in the world, helping miners turn more of a profit Mining is an energy-intensive process. Yes, we know. We know. We get it. We'll just move on. Through Though Kazakhstan originally welcomed the mining industry while regulating it, the government's desire to move away from coal, coupled with large volumes of Bitcoin miners, has strained the electrical grid. According to government estimates from fall of 2021, cryptocurrency miners used up to 8% of Kazakhstan's available energy supply. More than half of that is coming from gray operations that have refused to register due to tax requirements and the prospects of further government oversight. In November, Kazakhstan Energy Minister Magzum, wow, no, Magzum Merzegeliev, Wow, that's a hell of a name. He, he told regulated op- operations they wouldn't be disconnected from the national grid. The country was targeting gray miners. For now, though, everyone's in the dark. So Kazakhstan extended the uh, uh, olive branch to Chinese miners, and they fell for it hook, line, and sinker. And that's not even bef- they fell for it hook, line, and sinker. And I'm saying that even before these guys decided to tur- turn off their power, because a year after, or not even a year, it was like a few months. I can't remember. I think it was a year after. Kazakhstan had said, hey, Bitcoin miners come here. We'll give you tax free. There'll be a, like a complete 100% tax break. And, and all these other, like, I can't remember. It was all these other deals, one including cheap energy and shit like that. And then a year after that, the miners that did move there got the plug pulled on them. And they did start having to pay taxes. And they weren't protected from price rises. And they weren't getting those killer ass electricity contracts. And then China pulled their bullshit. And then even more Chinese miners went over to Kazakhstan because it was really, really close. And they had the power infrastructure to be able to support it. And Kazakhstan welcomed them with open arms and said, sure, come here, dude, come here, come here. We got plenty of power, plenty of power. And now they've pulled the, power, the plug on that. You can't trust anybody. That's what I'm saying. You can't trust anybody. And the future of Bitcoin mining is decentralized. It's going to be several hundred thousand operations around the world that are not put into massive, you know, like standalone warehouses. They're going to, you're, the future for Bitcoin mining is a couple things, small and therefore mobile. It's perfect. It's a beautiful system. If you let that shit occur, then the amount of of answers that fall out of the question of 
how do we secure the Bitcoin network become available to you? The fact that you that they're small means that you can move them around. Don't you get it? If you can move them around, they're a hell of a lot harder to get a hold of. They're a hell of a lot harder to target. They're a hell of a lot harder to demand that or, or to force the owners from not being able to take part of regulatory arbitrage. Small, mobile, Bitcoin mining. If that's not the future, then we're going to have some fairly serious problems on our hand. But that is going to do it for the morning roundup. Dad says jokes. I'm developing a new fragrance for introverts. It's called Leave Me the Fuck Alone. If you want to support the show and all the things that I do, like reading you the news so that you know what the hell's going on out there, you can do so through Podcasting 2.0. That's right. You can stream me Satoshis while I stream you these dulcet tones, and you can do so using any one of a number of Podcasting 2.0 enable apps. And my favorites are Sphinx Chat, Fountain, as well as, oh, whatever the hell else that thing is. Oh, God. I feel bad that I can't remember the name of it, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to burn about it. Uh, if you want to support me using fiat currency, you can do so on Patreon. I know I just got finished bullshitting everybody about my disdain for GoFundMe. I am using, yes, I'm using a legacy system. You just go ahead and laugh. It's okay. Point at me and laugh. They did that shit to me at high school and like grade school and grammar school and kindergarten as well. Everybody got laughed at. I can take it. It'll be okay. But what I am doing is like anytime that I actually get any funds in there whatsoever, they immediately get sent over to strike and it's not, it's automatic. They automatically get converted into Bitcoin. So until at such time that Patreon decides that I suck and I'm way too much of a danger, uh, I'm going to go ahead and use them because there are people that are not comfortable yet using Bitcoin and they certainly aren't comfortable using the Lightning Network. It's okay. These things take time. Not everything works out of the box. But again, if you so choose, if you're more comfortable using fiat and like, I don't know, scanning your credit card number, you are more than welcome to go over to uh, the Patreon. It's Bitcoin and podcast, and you can support me there. And I do thank all of the patrons that I have over there so far who are helping uh, me do the things to help you understand what's going out in the world of Bitcoin. And well, well, shit, I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and... And I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.